Hi everyone, uh, welcome to ELI, the place where you get your daily dose of inspiration for entrepreneurship. And today we have with us uh, Ms. Smithy Bhatt Devra, uh, who is the co-founder of Advantage Club, uh, which is India's largest employee engagement platform. Uh, Smithy is a graduate of University of California and was part of Y Combinator program uh, earlier this year. Uh, hi Smithy, welcome to ELI. Hi Priya, thank you so much for having me today. I would uh, request you to introduce yourself to our audience, please. Yeah, so uh, like you rightly mentioned, my name is Smithy. Uh, I'm the founder of Advantage Club. Uh, so uh, I will give a little bit of background about myself. I have done my master's from UCLA, post which I worked with Microsoft for a couple of years in their uh, Redmond US office. Uh, I worked there for a few years uh, and then we, me and my co-founder Saurabh, uh, we always wanted to start something of our own. So um, we always used to create this uh, list of ideas right so uh, eventually we finalized on one idea which was advantage club and that's when we came back to india and started uh, this particular venture okay uh, tell us about advantage club what what does it do yeah so advantage club is a global employee engagement platform what we do is we help companies uh, run different sorts of uh, programs for their employees uh, to drive better employee workplace productivity and happiness so we run things like employee perks rewards and recognition different sorts of engagement uh, digital pro platforms like hobby clubs classifieds we also have certain financial wellness programs like um, early wage access and many more so what we do is we actually digitize the entire employee benefit life cycle and bring multiple benefit programs for employees under one single platform. Okay. Uh, also, can you give us a perspective on why employee engagement uh, uh, cannot be done inside the company and why uh, uh, companies need to reach out to specialists in this area? Yeah, so uh, typically when you're looking at any mid to large sized organization, um, attrition uh, is a very big problem, you know, retaining employees and maintaining workplace happiness has become a very big problem now. I mean, gone are the days when people used to be happy to just you know, be paid for the work they kind of do. Now you actually have to motivate them. Forget about, uh, uh, you know, the latest generation, even if you look at, uh, you know, all the young, uh, uh, you know, kids and millennials today, they want to be appreciated and they want to be encouraged on everything which they do. So uh, probably a decade ago or two decades ago this problem might not have been that big of a challenge but now with a hybrid workforce setting in people have started to actually focus on uh, employee engagement as a very major problem companies can do this themselves in fact when we go to any organization they're already struggling to do this themselves because uh, typically there is either one or two hrs in the organization who are trying to hmm. manage benefits and manage uh, employee engagement initiatives for employees over excels and emails what we do is we actually digitize that entire journey for them uh, making it easy from an employee discovery perspective to uh, an employer uh, management perspective as well okay um so uh, i understand a big part of uh, this initiative comes from the idea that em uh, employees or people cannot be motivated by simply from money but uh, there has to be additional elements uh, for uh, people motivation so can you can you um talk on that aspect on what motivates people 
Yeah. So I think um, uh, one of the biggest things which motivates people is just actually being thanked by their managers and their peers for doing a good job. Uh, team building is another very important thing which motivates people to be in an organization. Things uh, for for an employee to actually stick around in an organization, building a good culture and ensuring that people are being recognized for the kind of work they do has become intensely important now um, because the similar opportunities available everywhere. So um, salary is no longer the uh, decision making factor for an employee because there are so many opportunities available to them. So, mm. uh, you know, typically uh, monetary appreciation and monetary uh, giving money to somebody is kind of similar to giving salary to somebody, right? So it doesn't have any sort of a reason associated with it. Just like mm. if I want to recognize 30 of my employees and I go to all of them, I give them thousand bucks and I tell them, good job, that's it. It doesn't mean anything because I'm saying the same thing to everybody. There mm. has to be a personalized reason why I'm actually telling them that you've done a good job. I need to actually give a good citation around that. Plus, if I add monetary incentives on top of that, it then creates a, a behavioral change. At the same time, it also creates um, a sense of recognition for an employee that, okay, they are not just doing it for the sake of doing it. They're actually recognizing me for the work I do. And it also reinforces um, the right behavior in a positive manner. Okay. Uh, one of the big challenge for any startup these days is uh, finding quality people and even bigger challenges to keep them motivated to pursue the goal uh, uh, throughout so uh, they usually wonder uh, whether they should introduce uh, any any programs that are outside of the uh, compensation and uh, they also wonder what portion of the entire cost per employee should go into employee engagement and uh, these sort of programs uh, and not directly to the monetary so can you um, to a layman founder can you tell a rough breakup of how what portion of the uh, cost should go into salary and what portion should uh, go into the non-tangible aspects yeah so uh, typically if i look at the industry standard today most organizations take two to five percent of an employee's annual ctc to be set aside as an additional money to be given to them in the form of benefits so it's kind of a, a it's a small portion of the salary, but then at the end of the day, uh, you when you digitize their entire experience by giving them an award, associating certain reward points or any sort of gamification options to that particular award, um, the value of that particular, say, 5,000 rupees or 10,000 rupees kind of becomes very, very important, which is way more than giving maybe like a lakh worth of rupees of a month of salary to a person. So two to 5% is the industry standard. Okay. Uh, now tell us about the uh, journey of building this venture. Uh, like when, uh, when did you come up with this idea? And who are the people who came in uh, together initially to build this venture? Yeah. So Advantage Club has been uh, for a while now, let me start from the beginning so uh, i we're two co-founders me and my co-founder saurabh um we uh, started the venture uh, back in 2016 uh, at that point uh, the reason we started the venture is uh, like i said you know we were 
always uh, we always wanted to start something of our own so we were always looking for good ideas where there is a market gap and we can actually find a product market fit so uh, while we were working in the us i was working we were both working with microsoft at that point in time and microsoft had this crazy benefit program in the us like people um, used to and they had like an amazing retention rate as well like people used to stick around for like 10 years 15 years 20 years it was a very standard thing that once you go to microsoft you retire in microsoft you know it's uh, and my co-founder saurabh he was initially in amazon and then he moved to microsoft it was exactly the opposite kind of a culture there in which uh, the retention wasn't that high so microsoft it somehow built that kind of a um, culture that uh you know when you used to get an offer letter they used to tell them that okay um forget about the money which you're earning in salary just add ten thousand dollars additional on top of it because you'll get so many benefits from microsoft that you you know all through all of the savings you'll anyways be able to uh make more money there mm-hmm. plus as the microsoft employees we were treated better everywhere we we always had a privilege wherever we went and employees uh, were very happy with the culture overall because there was it was under the microsoft cares initiative so we used to think that this is standard in every organization everywhere this would be there um, but then we had people coming in uh, from microsoft india from other parts of the country which were non us and europe and we noticed that you know such benefit structures are actually missing when you're looking at uh, southeast asia middle east north africa regions and that entire gamut of benefit structure is missing in in those parts of the countries so with that idea we started uh, the venture advantage club initially was started to provide a perks and you know a discounting kind of a program to uh, smes of different organizations uh, while it was a very good problem for organizations we thought that you know we'll bring all the small and medium companies in the country and we'll create like a uh, we'll, we'll give them the same benefits like a large enterprise would get we realized one that uh you know benefits and perks is something which is not just a problem in mid uh, and small size companies it's also a problem in large size enterprises in india so for anything to actually become tangible in any industry the larger ones need to adopt it first and then it trickles down to the um, uh, you know smaller companies eventually mm-hmm. so another thing we realized is that you know just uh uh while the perks uh, module worked great and uh, employees in hrs were really appreciating and they were really excited about it and we were closing corporates left right and center uh, we also realized that you know from a um, market size perspective or from a problem perspective it's not the market is not that large if you're looking at smes in the country today they're not there today maybe 5 10 years down the line they will get there but they're not there today so uh, then uh, in around about the end of 2019 we pivoted to um, uh, you know a holistic global benefits kind of a structure in which not just focusing on smes and perks in india now we do different benefit structures for organizations across the world and covid also helped um, strangely in that direction because um, a lot of these programs were able to be deployed globally sitting in india itself which pre covid would have been very hard to do because you'd have to deploy um, uh, physical teams in each country so that has been our journey so far today um, advantage club is live with more than 375 organizations we have more than 10000 brands associated with us where you get all of these perks and reward redemption options and we're also live in more than 65 countries so um, i and you know i'd say i think 
the pivot worked well for us and uh, we're now uh, constantly growing 15 to 20% month over month okay that is so great to hear uh, can you tell us uh, what are the some uh, what are the most popular uh, services or most popular programs that uh, most of the companies opt for uh, while taking your uh, services yeah so our uh, rewards and recognition piece is of course very popular uh, perks is like a no brainer for any organization right if you have a gamut of uh, services giving premium uh, benefits and offers to employees it is something which you will anyways take for your company so perks is usually the foot in the door for us for any organization um, literally we've not I don't think there's been any organization who's ever said that, no, no, I don't want these employee perks for my employees. Um, and then rewards and recognition is also a very popular product for us because uh, like I said, you know, people are trying to recognize employees over Excel, emails and digitizing it for them, especially now with, um, you know, most of the country and most of the world working from home, cross country uh, awarding, recognition, collaboration, all of that has also become very popular with our recognition program. Uh, we've also recently launched an uh, uh, you know, early wage access program, which is more like a salary advance feature where you can take a portion of your salary before the payday. That has also started picking up very well. So um, we also see like, uh, you know, um, I think a great kind of ROI from that coming in the future. Now that you have uh, come so far, what is the way forward? Uh, what vision you have for this venture? Yeah, so our vision is to become a, a platform for global benefits. So we want to become that. If you're thinking of benefits, Advantage Club needs to be synonymous with that word. That is what our end goal is, uh, that if you want to provide any sort of um, uh, you know, recognition or any sort of benefit to any employee anywhere, we need to be that player you need to deploy. Uh, to kind of uh, uh, cover that vision, we try to pull in all sorts of uh, benefits of the organization together. We integrate with their, um, you know, HR systems, we integrate with their um, uh, even, you know, sales CRMs and everything. So we want to drive every sort of uh, incentive or every sort of reward through the platform. Uh, we Because we have created uh, a global presence, we're also able to serve in more than 100 countries now. So we'll be continuing doing that. Um, and of course, uh, right now, like Advantage Club has two entities. One is we're headquartered in the US. We have our uh, second entity in India. We're opening a third entity in the Philippines because Philippines has now become a very large market for us uh, with more than 100,000 users. So similarly, now we're also focused on the Middle East, North Africa and other parts of uh, Southeast Asia to expand. So yeah, that's where we are in terms of our visioning. Can you tell us what are the different challenges that you have faced so far while uh, building and growing this venture? Um, if I start talking about all the challenges, probably it will take like at least two, three days. But uh, I, I think uh, one of the, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's a very common thing. You you face challenges daily and, and you fix it and you move on. But there have been two, three major uh, pointers which I would like to talk about, like uh, pivoting the business was um, not an easy decision for us, right? So when, um, especially when you're getting a very good response from all your customers and you know that this is something which eventually will become very big, but uh, probably, um, you know, you need to kind of have a more 
bigger play uh, to look at currently. So that was a, a challenge for us to pivot the business itself. Going global was also another challenge. I mean, uh, we started going global before the pandemic itself. We started working on it initially. Of course, uh, the pandemic kind of uh, fast-tracked that particular piece. But, uh, uh, you know, going global was a very big challenge in which you had to kind of uh, create a marketplace in more than, you know, 60, 70, 80 countries, which is, again, not an easy thing to do. Um, again, when we were starting the venture uh, back in 2016, it was a challenge because, uh, you know, employee perks is like a chicken egg problem, right? If you don't have perks, corporates will not sign up for you. If you don't have corporates, brands will not sign up with you. So that was also a very major challenge when we started off. Uh, to fix these challenges, what we did uh, and what we've always done is we've always acquired, like at least initially what we did, uh, we acquired the brand piece first. We acquired our first uh, 60, 70 brands at like almost no commission or like, you know, very, very low price. Uh, and we created that marketplace and then we got the corporates. Uh, to go global, we did exactly the opposite. To go global, we realized that, you know, if you have the demand the supply is easy to actually generate and after all of these years we've learned how to uh, generate that supply so we actually got the business first and then we actually acquired the brands uh, when we were going global so we've actually done both sides but we've eventually figured out these challenges as well what are some of the metrics that um, you measure on a day-to-day -day basis uh, to know which direction you are headed yeah so for us uh, uh, of course uh, we are a, a you know revenue generating uh, business so revenues are very very important for us and that is like our revenue not gmvs and all of those buzzwords which uh, go on uh, a lot in the startup industry so since we're very revenue focused for us it is very very important to grow 15 to 20 percent in terms of revenue month over month and that is something we've set as a hard target for us um uh, that's also something which we changed after we you know moved and we pivoted and i think y combinator also helped us you know, help push us in that particular direction. Mm. So uh, uh, revenue metric is a very important metric for us. To actually achieve these revenues, we man we manage uh, and we kind of, uh, uh, we maintain the uh, overall uh, things like cohorts. Uh, we maintain, um, uh, you know, cohorts are basically uh, how many customers have started transacting in the first month and then six months later, how many of those customers are still transacting. Uh, we also measure, uh, because we are a reward and recognition platform, we also measure things like redemption rates of the budgets which have been driven through the platform. Uh, our average redemption rates are, you know, higher than 90%. Industry standard is 60%. We try to maintain that high number so that, you know, if a million dollars is being uh, put in the system, at least 900,000 needs to be redeemed by employees in the system itself. Mm. Uh, we also measure uh, budget utilization rates. If you've given certain budgets to managers, are they actually deploying that budget to the employees as well? So we try to maintain that somewhere around 95 to 99%. Um, we also measure things like monthly active users. Uh, we measure uh, corporate-wise, uh, um, uh, you know, transactions. So all of those things are which are like major metrics for us. And then of course, there are many other things which come, which I will not delve into the details right now. Okay, that is fine. Uh, tell us about the fundraising experience. Uh, how, I understand you raised funds from Y Combinator and probably raised funds after that. 
so how uh, how did you raise the funds and uh, what impact uh, did it make to your venture prior to so if if you can compare what hap- what was your venture prior to funding and how it the changed after funding yeah so in our older uh, business model pre pivot uh, we had uh, raised funds uh, uh, twice so uh, and that point we were doing the perks uh, program itself so uh, the first round which we had raised was uh, a kind of a initial seed or pre seed round if you can call it which was kind of uh, uh, led by a, a venture fund called as purvi capital and then mumbai angels did a syndicate with them and then there were a lot of individual angels which were there uh, and after that we raised another uh, round which was led by axelor ventures and few you know existing investors also participated we've been uh, lucky that way that a lot of our existing investors have continued participating in the future round they it, it kind of uh, adds to the kind of conviction they have for the business and we've always uh, touchwood had like a very supportive set of investors till now um, then during just while we were trying to pivot uh, for the pivot itself we raised our third round which was um, around about a million dollars uh, led by grovex ventures and then axelor another existing investors also participated in it uh, while we were pivoting we uh, you know we always wanted to become a global company right so that was part of the pivot and that was part of the plan so we thought that uh, if we could use a global platform like y combinator it would help us be there right there in the global market itself and we'd be able to position ourselves as a truly global company uh, so that's why we applied for yc and um, luckily we got through uh, so when we raised uh, when when we uh, completed the yc batch we have now raised another 5 million which is a bunch of global investors uh, from the us europe middle east um and of course um, in india also uh, there are a few funds who have invested so that has been like our fund journey fundraise journey so far okay uh, you mentioned that acquiring users is something that you have uh, figured out uh, so far so can you tell us uh, sometimes to acquire users as startup you have to uh, deploy some growth hacks and uh, uh, that really gives us a um good uh, good uh, users with less investment so can you tell us about one or two growth hacks that you have you know discovered discovered along the way which we can you know learn and uh, apply to our ventures yeah so uh, for us since we are a b2b kind of an organization um we have a very high network effect in place right so typically when uh, because if you give like a good service to an organization the hrs and the decision makers in the organization also keep switching from that company to another company sure. so 20% of our conversions actually happen via referrals so uh, uh, that is one i'd say uh, growth hack which we have applied because of which you know conversion becomes really easy when you are uh, as a decision maker if you have experienced the platform before or if you are hearing it from somebody who you trust and has experienced the platform before the sales cycle and the conversion it just shortens beyond anyone's expectation hmm. so uh, i always say that you should always as a b2b uh, player you should look into your existing uh, Uh, uh you know customer base you should look into your data right now that who are the customers who could 
who have kind of moved out from the system from maybe your uh, current uh, organization base to another organization base, you should actively reach out to them because that is like a 100% sell. They will obviously, uh, uh, you know, do something with you in their new organizations as well. Because in our industry, especially um, when you are uh, launching a program like that for the employees, you're kind of championing the program from an organization's perspective as well. So if the platform does well, it also does good for your own job, uh, you know, trajectory as well. So uh, we've had partners where, you know, our um, HR spokes have actually gotten awards, like multiple awards for running the Advantage Club platform. So obviously then they also become your ambassadors out in the market. Mm. So you should utilize that network and you should uh, ensure that you're able to, um, uh, you know, get more customers that way. So I think that is one growth hack um, we use very actively. Okay. Uh, now uh, we will talk about uh, your personal side of being an entrepreneur. Can you tell us, as an as an entrepreneur, you are expected to stay energetic. And uh, uh, however, there would be instances where you feel tired or uh, you lose focus. And when that happens, your business might suffer as well. So, can you tell us how do you manage such situations? Yeah. So uh, it's not just about the business suffering. If you are uh, tired or you're restless, it actually has a very bad trickle down effect. You know, like the people who look up to you in the organization also somehow get demotivated if you look demotivated yourself. And it's it's not an easy journey. I mean, there, there are a lot of ups and downs, more downs than ups, I would, I would say. Uh, so it is really uh, not an easy task to kind of, have that game face on all of the time. But I think that's part of the job. That's something that you have to uh, maintain irrespective of whatever it is. So a couple of things which um, you know we do is like me and my co-founder, we have this, um, I don't know, we have this kind of a, a connection in which when one of us is down, the other one actually tries to you know, pull the other one up. So it has always been something in which I think co-founders need to support each other. And uh, they are probably the people who understand the entrepreneurial journey and the problems which an entrepreneur faces more than anything else. Mm. So if all of, all of your co-founders are just down, then it just is a recipe for disaster. Secondly, what I do is like I meditate a lot. So uh, if I feel that I'm stressed and I'm uh, upset over something, I... I do kind of, you know, just do a meditation session or a relaxation session. It it really helps. Um, I, I know it sounds like a farce, but trust me, it really helps if you're able to kind of just um, give that 20 minutes to your brain space and just um, sit and relax. It, it really helps in uh, solving a lot of problems. I know. Uh, can you tell us how do you manage your time? Uh, how does a typical day look like for you? For example, how many hours you work how many hours do you stay on calls and all yeah so i i don't think there is any um time for me to work i mean i i don't have any concept of uh, weekends or uh you know vacations or anything but yeah it is important to also kind of maintain some sort of a maybe a basic level of a work-life balance so that uh, you can, uh, you know, you don't get burnt out as an entrepreneur. So uh, for me, uh, uh, you know, I uh, typically, my usual day starts, uh, uh, you know, with, so for us, when I go to the office, 
uh, I don't think I can get anything done for the first one hour because when I go to the office, there's always a set of people who are looking for a lot of help and a lot of things. And the mm. first one hour always goes in that direction. Then I have, since I, uh, you know, lead sales, I kind of also am still very involved in the customer closures, especially the ones which are large and which are significant. So I have like a bunch of meetings set throughout the day. Um, after uh, this work from home scenario, um, I've been able to do like nine, 10 meetings a day as well. So that has also kind of become easy in terms of uh, doing a lot of client calls and uh, customer calls in a day. Uh, then there is some time spent out and say if there is a firefighting thing to do or there is some strategy discussion to be done. We also try to maintain certain uh, uh, strategy uh, meetings and strategy calls throughout the week. So there are certain days uh, and there are certain hours in the week blocked when we only talk about how the business has gone and how we're actually, um, uh, you know, um, looking at moving it in the future. Because one of the things with, uh, as an entrepreneur, you have a challenge of is there are too many things to do and you kind of get blocked with a lot of execution and a lot of things which are happening. So to, re to resolve that problem, what we do is we block these weekly meetings and maybe one week you might skip it out but uh, at least three times a month you're meeting and you are discussing the product roadmap that's how we manage our time as uh, co-founders other than that i don't think there is a set schedule this is always a new thing happening every day and there's always a new challenge which we need to look at and close what would you say is the meaning of entrepreneurship for you how do you define the term entrepreneur uh for me uh entrepreneurship is like uh i always say that it's it's like a it's like a drug you know it, it it's something which um which is pretty uh addictive in nature right so once you become like an entrepreneur you can't think of doing anything else in your whole life uh you can't go back to maybe uh, doing a job you can't even go back to doing nothing i mean you have to always constantly be in a situation in which there is a problem and you want to solve that particular problem uh, i also feel that entrepreneurship is not something that you can teach to somebody it is something which needs to come from within because there is it's there is a lot of relentlessness which you need to have there's a lot of grit which you need to have to actually uh, drive through this hard journey and that drive needs to come from within uh, so and once you're able to uh, you know get any sort of success in whatever you're doing there's just no going back after that you, you I, I don't think there's anything you can do other than that being an entrepreneur once you've become one that is so true I think I'll use this punchline entrepreneurship is a drug uh, <laughs> my final question to you uh, tell us all the interesting lessons that you have learned as an entrepreneur, which we can take away and apply to our lives and our ventures. Yeah. So uh, the first, uh, uh, you know, lesson which I have learned over time is that what your investor wants and what your customer wants might not be the same thing. But you, if you have to choose, you should always choose what your customer wants. If you are building something which your customer wants, maybe your investors don't believe in it today. Tomorrow, once you are able to, you know, demonstrate success in that, 
there will be a list of people who were not believing you initially, but they'll start believing you. If you start doing exactly the opposite, you build something which is maybe a buzzword in the industry or is like a hot space today, but nobody wants it. The same people who are backing you today will then come back tomorrow and you know say they will stop backing you, right? Because at the end of the day, um, if if somebody is investing in you, they are here to make profits out of it. So uh, as long as you're doing what your customer wants, make something which people want and not something which you feel that this is something which I feel people might want. Um, secondly, product creation and product roadmap again, needs to be very, very dependent on customer feedbacks. So uh, what we do is when we build a new product or a new feature or anything, we don't build it on our own. We pick a client who wants that particular product. We maybe discount that feature creation cost for them, but we build it with them exactly with the kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, specs which they want. And then, of course, you know, that product evolves over time. What that The same thing we did with rewards and recognition, same thing we did with early wage access, whatever programs we've built, we've built them with the customers, with their feedbacks itself. And um, I think third uh, lesson which I have learned is that, you know, um, there is no such thing as success or failure in an entrepreneurship. I mean, you will fail every day. You will succeed every day. Uh, you will face a lot of rejections. You might get rejected while raising funds. You might get rejected while closing customers. But you have to, you know, continue moving on. You have to maintain that game face. You have to continue that grit. And especially with investment, I always say that you need one guy to believe in you, right? So even if like a hundred reject you, it's all right. You need that one person to believe in you. And if you, if you look at stories of, um, you know, Paytm, or if you look at stories of Swiggy and all of these guys, all of these founders have undergone countless number of rejections before they build these huge, uh, you know, startups. And uh, you, you, you know, you can't just give up because one person said that they don't believe in you. As long as you have product market fit, as long as your customers want what you're building, um, you should be, you know, self-motivated yourself as well. Okay. On this note, I think we are at the end of our uh, discussion. Uh, I would say uh, it was a great pleasure to host you and uh, thanks for your time, Smithy. Uh, I would say my best wishes for Advantage Club. Thank you so much, Priya. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, thank you so much for having me here. It was likewise a very good pleasure talking to you.